Welcome back to The Chosen Life. I'm your host, The Chosen Lawyer. And today we have a very special guest with us, the author of the book, Lying Down with Dogs, Miss Natalie Pantaleo. Natalie, welcome to The Chosen Life. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, you know, the universe brings people together in all sorts of funny ways. And of course, as fate will have it, we have the same book publisher editors. So it was just a natural fit that way. That's right. Uh, lying, lying Down with Dogs was released when? September, uh, this past September, 2022. So very recently, we're right now in February of 2023. So very recently, and we will have for everybody links as far as reaching you. And as well, uh, when you reach out to Natalie, you'll be able to get uh, information on Lying Down with Dogs. We're going to find out more about your exciting book. Uh, but before we jump into the book, we first got to know about the person behind the book. So here I uh, am. <laughs> here you are, author, marketing, communications consultant. I got to start with the author part, obviously, and we'll get into marketing con communications consulting. Uh, what is the Natalie Pantaleo story? So, how did you come to be before being an author and the marketing specialist? Well, it all started in fourth grade. No, <laughs> actually it did. I think that's when I first realized I started to enjoy writing. And then as I got a little older and did well in it in school, felt like I had a little bit of a knack for it and then pursued a career in communication. So I write every single day, not books. Um, the book story uh, came, well, it, the impetus for the book, and it didn't start out to be a book. I was uh, having lunch with some women who are dear friends of mine. We had all worked together at a famous Philadelphia restaurant years ago. And this was years later. It was about 12 years ago. Now the lunch that we had was about 12 years ago already. And we were laughing hysterically at the stories because anyone that's worked in any service position, but mo especially a restaurant, there's hilarity. There's just built-in hilarity. There's characters. There's adrenaline. There's zaniness. There's uh, everything is not for prime time. And one of the women who knows I write said, oh, you have to write these stories down. You have to. So I went back to my office that day and it was a light day. And so I just started to write a few of these stories down. It's been yes to share with just that group of women. It wasn't intended to be a book. And that was it. And then three years later, I picked it up or two years later, I picked it up and unbeknownst to me, like this story started to come out of me, which I realized I had like sort of my coming of age at this restaurant, you know? So um, I started to write and then I had some of these vignettes hanging out over here. And then I had like a half of a, of a, of a book, a fluid book over here. And I put it down again. And then in 2015, I picked it up with the intention of going back to rewrite the vignettes to give the story fluidity and have cohesiveness to be a solid story. But I was very, very busy with life at that time. I had a very demanding corporate job. My daughter was younger, lots of things going on. And so I put the book down again until about two years ago. And so um, that's just, that's how the book came to be. But as far as writing goes, I mean, for my clients on any given week, I might write a feature article, a press release, web content, uh, social media post, a blog, you know, ad content. I got to ask you, uh, questions are running through my mind as you're telling me the story. First and foremost, I've been discussing uh, Philadelphia a lot over the last little while. 
because I'm a giant sports fan. Because that's <laughs> Eagles. <laughs> yeah, just a bit there. Uh, Brock Purdy, uh, you guys got a little lucky there, but uh, whatever. <laughs> what do you mean with the call in the last game against the 49ers or the, the, the in fact general? that the 49ers? <laughs> The fact that the 49ers quarterback that was undefeated got injured right away, and then the fourth string quarterback got injured, and then the yeah. third stringer came back and didn't have a throwing arm, yeah. didn't really hurt, you know, your chances. Uh, of course, yeah. But, but we'll get into Philadelphia sports yeah. as well. <laughs> as soon as you hear the word Philadelphia, you immediately think of sports. Uh, are you born and raised in Philadelphia? Oh, my whole life. Yep, I'm proud of it. <laughs> as um, with all of our blemishes and black marks, <laughs> I am proud of it. With the amount of sports trophies that you have in your fine city, plus the Rocky statue, hats off to Philadelphia. I've never watched a sporting event in Philadelphia, but it is on my bucket list a thousand percent. So you're born and raised in Philadelphia. You know that there's writing ability within you. Was there ever the thoughts early on in your childhood going into teens, adulthood, as far as journalism goes? Was that prospectively writing at that point? Or is was that more... I guess of a side hobby that went into marketing communications. No, actually, my undergraduate degree is in journalism and public relations. Mm -hmm. So I wrote for all the news. I wrote for the newspaper in my high school. I wrote for um, the uh, literary magazine in my high school, and then I went on to write for the newspaper and college, the colleges I attended. But I have to give a little credit to a dear friend of mine who grew up in South Philadelphia, also um, Michelle Nader, who is quite successful. She is the writer, editor, director of uh, several series on television, uh, a couple really noteworthy ones, including um, Spin City and I think Two Broke Girls. Anyway, she and I, she was the editor of the newspaper. And when we were applying to college, she said to me, oh, you have to apply for communications because I was going to, I don't know why I was majoring in French or what have you, but uh, she said, you have to minor that, major in communications. And so I took her advice and I'm glad I did. And I ended up graduating undergraduate from Temple University in Philadelphia with a journalism PR, a dual major. So the PR got me into the marketing end of it, you know, but the writing part was uh, was there. So we all find our path in our own ways. And I got to ask you then, the book having developed over years, it didn't come naturally over overnight. Uh, publishing with Awakening Press and your uh, editor-publisher, Lindsay, how did you guys come together? That's another serendipitous story. And I'm glad that this is a new audience of listeners because I wouldn't want to bore anyone <laughs> who's heard the story already. Um, I was at a retreat in Sedona, Arizona, and I saw many different practitioners from various disciplines during the retreat. And one woman, um, her name is Paula Petrovic, she held up a book, a children's book, and she said her spirit daughter is a publisher and i said oh i've written a few children's books but they've never been published she said oh i'll connect you so just an aside one of the children's books i had written i worked with an illustrator i thought it was had merit and i went through the traditional route of trying to have that book published so i i had a query and i had the synopsis down and i went through literary agents and I got 150 of the nicest rejection letters. So it's a daunting process. And I knew that. So when the woman told me that I smiled, I thought she was just naively, you know, sharing that with me. So I saw her again before I left Sedona. And the second time I saw her, she said, oh, I contacted my spirit daughter or goddaughter, you know, however she phrased it. And she said, and I gave, she said that she's very busy right now to, for me to give her your information and she'll call you. And Jonathan, at that moment, I just dismissed it as polite conversation. I thought, oh, this is so sweet of the woman. She has no idea. Neither of them have ever 
read one word I've written. So I just never thought about it again. Three months later, my phone rang with an Arizona number. I was sitting at my computer working and I answered the phone. It was Lindsay. And this sweet voice on the other end said, oh, Natalie, I'm so sorry. It's taking me so long to get back to you. I'm like, sorry. You know, I didn't, I never in a million years thought I was going to hear from this person. I never thought about it again. So we had a great conversation. We set up a Zoom call to take place two weeks later. And in the meantime, I was to send her my resume, my bio, the kind of work I do, and the synopsises or whatever I had handy from my children's books, because that's all we spoke about. So when we hung up the call, I was so excited. I didn't even check out her website. I didn't, I just started to craft this email to her. I didn't want to miss this opportunity. And I captured all the things that she asked me. And as like a PS, literally, I put PS. I don't know if this is your thing, but I wrote this coming of age fictionalized novella about my life working at a famous Philadelphia restaurant back in the late 80s. And uh, here's the first two chapters. I don't, I don't know if it's of interest to you. So lo and behold, we get on the call two weeks later. She tells me why my children, what she liked about my children's books, but that they weren't quite a fit for her. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much. This was so wonderful. And she said, wait a minute, don't go anywhere. I love your novella. I want to publish it. When I tell you that I almost fell off my chair, I was literally high for two weeks. <laughs> so, you know, something that was a pure passion, hobby, you know, labor of love, so to speak. I don't know. I just never really uh, saw, I mean, after having been through this daunting process of trying to get a book published, it was just very serendipitous. And so then we went into a contract, um, like an editing six month contract before we got to the publishing part. Cause the book, the manuscript was rough and I needed some um, objective opinion. And, and then she and I, we have became not only fast friends, I think we're like sisters, <laughs> you know, from another mister, we just were in sync and it just worked. Like we, you know, she'd say one thing and then I'd be off to the races. Like, that's all I really needed was her gentle guidance and obje objectivity and her knowledge of the publishing industry and writing. I love that. I love for you that that came together so well. And yeah, it's great. When it's, when it's least expected and you're talking about our audience and uh, as the audience is watching this, I always tell them, hit the subscribe button, notification bell for new episodes because you never know what we're going to be talking about on this show. We've covered such a spectrum, you know, wrestling fans, baseball fans, watch fans, car fans, real estate fans, life fans, health fans, yoga. We cover it all. And today we're talking about books out of all things and uh, a very different sort of book. And uh, when I was reading the one liner, it really gravitated to me. A humorous coming of age tale woven with sex, beauty money power and the question of who's using whom <laughs> i'm available for the audiobook if you ever need me but uh, uh great <laughs> it, that's it, an, a story for offline a new uh, innovation that lindsay was just sharing with me about the audiobook because my book's not quite available in audio but coming soon in audio coming soon folks it's gonna happen so it's in print it's 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 coming together so you can get the print copy and you know the audio is coming so now I'm going to take it then, uh, Natalie's life then, uh, in the, in the eighties in the restaurant business. So you were all about sex, beauty, money, and power. <laughs> it sounds like a really glamorous life here. Uh, we gotta be careful because the sex in the city people might be wanting to steal your ideas, but, uh, <laughs> um, in all seriousness now, uh, for those people that are shopping around on Amazon or go to the local bookstore, 
Um, who is the audience that is is reading Lying Down with Dogs? Uh, who's connecting with you on it? Uh, how do you find that audience, or how how do they find you? Okay, well, when I was when I was first, we were launching the book. My gut feeling, or my immediate thought, was that the book would appeal to more women and especially women who have been out on the dating scene or and the humorous side of the dating scene or had worked in a restaurant at some point. I mean, almost everybody I know had worked in a restaurant at some point in their lives um, in college or yeah, down the, you know, in summers um, during school. But what I was pleasantly surprised to find um, first during the, um, we did a, uh, a beta test and it was sent to 120 readers and it was a mix of male, female, all different demographics. Uh, and since the book's been published in both cases, I was pleasantly surprised to find how much men enjoy the book. And this is just anecdotal, but what's the most like surprising thing to me as the author, the women respond to me with, oh, that was hilarious. The men say, I wish I got to know you more. I can't get over the last chapter, it made me feel so bad. I wanted to hear about this, or I wanted to hear about that. Or the men have an emotional response to the book. And the women, uh, some have an emotional response, don't get me wrong, but mostly and anecdotally, the women are just like, oh, that was hilarious. You know, and the guys are more wanting to talk about the emotions that I shared in the book. But when the men are asking about the emotional side, are they saying, Natalie, this uh, really is bringing a lot out of me. We should really talk about this more over dinner. Uh, what are you doing for tonight? <laughs> a <know>? few. <laughs> a few have said that. Actually, a few have said that, you know. I'm there's sure something they about have. the book. <laughs> Listen, if, the if, there's a, if there's a woman out there, we got a man on it. That's, uh, that's, how, that's how it goes, it seems. That's life, right? Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I, I'm also very pleasantly surprised. But it's it, it's going to show you also our society is changing, you know, drastically that it's no longer cliche for genders and age. You, it's nice that right. you have a more encompassing audience. So that's going to be very fulfilling for you as an author. Yeah. And I was also surprised that the younger people that read it, meaning like people that are in their young 30s or late 20s right now, they're they're of a completely different era than when the book was written i mean i when i started to when those experiences were happening if you can believe this there was no internet i mean it was incredible like i tell a story in my book about a trip i took to mexico um, by myself without giving away too much of the book and this was before the internet and cell phones so i just was at on sunday i was invited to give a talk to a, a book club um a group of women who are part of a book club and um, one of the women said to me I lost my breath when you were going to Mexico. And I thought, how is she so brave to do this? Uh, before the, you could really check it out or con contact somebody with the safety we have today of technology, you know? So I'm pleasantly surprised when young audiences can also relate to some of my stories, because I think some of them are, are universal, you know? And throughout the book, uh, juxtaposed to this wild restaurant life with lots of access, because there was anybody who was anybody in Philadelphia and beyond was in this restaurant. It was before Philadelphia had experienced a restaurant renaissance in the 90s. And so it was the place to be and to be seen. Um, so in that way, I was kind of lucky to land there. But uh, throughout that, I'm juxtaposing the story with my Italian-American upbringing and my grandmothers and their uh, their adages and <laughs> my mom and you know how I was raised. Well, there's another one liner I saw in your marketing, which I got to ask you because I got a phone call from this woman. She's known as the Uptown Girl, Christy Brinkley. And she's telling me, I think that, not really. I, yeah. Oh, my God. 
Like, see, I, I said it so naturally, but yeah, I mean, Christy, we're having drinks the other night. No, that doesn't that never happened. <laughs> but she was looking at the timeline of this book, and she's saying, "Will Val finally hook up with Billy Joel? How will spending her birthday alone in Mexico turn out? Will she fire her therapist? It all comes full circle for the college girl turned marketing exec from South Philadelphia." Uh, there's something we need to know about you and Billy. Was there any issues with Christy there, or are we gonna have to wait for the readers to find that one? I'm not gonna give any spoiler alerts here, but there, Billy Joel was uh, a big part of uh, my life at that time, and he makes several appearances in real life and in my book. And uh, there's a little surprise at the end of the book from Billy Joel. So, can I, so I gotta <laughs> ask, okay, I gotta ask you because, like, we're fairly in the same genre era where yeah. I was still using a typewriter in high school. <laughs> and uh, I said, the computer was a fad and it's never going to take <laughs> off. And I did not have a cell phone either. Um, I remember the Billy Joel era very well. I didn't get it. What am I missing with Billy Joel? Like I love rock. I love pop. I love all kinds of music. Not that I hate Billy Joel, maybe because I was, it was the Billy Joel Elton John concert series. And I'm like, ah, Billy Joel, Elton John, I don't know, wasn't speaking to me. As a Billy Joel fan, like what gravitated you as a fan to Billy Joel? Um, I felt like um, I always wanted to understand the meaning behind uh, the lyrics. I mean, he was a pop artist, so a lot of guys that were into true rock were, were more purists, right? And Billy Joel was a pop artist. I mean, he's got he's a mega talent, Let's you know, as a songster, a lyricist, a piano man. Um, but I can understand what you're saying. But for me, as a young girl, the lyrics spoke to me. And I always had like, um, you know, as probably anybody does with any song they like, is trying to figure out if they know the meaning behind it or how it relates to their life, life at the time. And also at that time in my life, just like any other thing in this world, right? A song could bring back a memory like this, right? Any song that you could think of or listen to, you could put yourself in that moment in that time and that experience of when you first heard it or if it was playing in the background of an event in your life well during those days i grew up in philadelphia and we always vacationed at the jersey shores the beaches of new jersey because they're like an hour distance an hour distance so my entire life was spent summers at the jersey shore and in the jersey shore radio stations especially back in the day before you know sirius and satellite and all that they played pop music. And so there was a lot of Billy Joel during those memories. And I attached them to those memories. It feel good, you know? Well, Billy Joel, if you're watching this right now, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you are. You're listening in. Uh, Lying down with dogs may be of interest to you, my friend. And you got to reach out to Natalie for some stories. So yeah, I mean, there, I had an opportunity at one point to almost meet him. And it translates to, I think, a funny story in the book. Well, for those Billy Joel fans or curious fans and uh, or just love uh, good novellas, Lying Down With Dogs, let's get on it. Now, uh, the other thing I find interesting always in as far as in the world of publishing, movies, uh, TV shows, music, as soon as something comes out, and it's not even, it, you know, it, it's, it's still warm off the press, right? And it's all new and everything. The first question almost fans inevitably come up on the internet When's your next work coming out? Yeah. And so you're, I'm sure you get asked this every day. And as soon as they pick up the book, the right away, their question is, okay, I'm going to commit to this. When, what's her next work going to be? So from lying down with dogs, have you already pictured the future for yourself, Natalie? And where is your publishing heading from here? 
So I want to kind of live with this for a little bit, but I do have an idea for a sequel. And it just came to me after the publishing of this book because I didn't really think about a sequel. So many people have said to me, what does Val do next? Where does Val go? I want to hear you left me hanging, you know? Uh, so I have an idea for a, for a sequel. Uh, I want to bring in the humor of, um, believe it or not, funerals in, in the sequel and my Italian upbringing and relation to those. Um, and I don't know when I'm going to be moved to put pen to paper because right now I'm still sort of living with lying down with dogs. Uh, I also have in me, I think, a marketing book. I'd like to write uh, something more, I don't know if you would call it technical, but certainly uh, nonfiction about uh, my experiences helping clients and in my corporate uh, past with positioning and how that's still, you know, it's not talked about as much anymore, but it's still very much a part of uh, successful marketing. So that's, that's the foreseeable future in the next three to five years. That's what I was wondering. Two years. If you're going to be going in the same genre, if you're going to continue with the same character with Val, if you're going to go back to children's books, if you're going to go something more with marketing. So it's, it's funny because I don't know how you feel about it. Uh, I could tell you when I finished, draft one and the book was done from my end. I wrote it with the intention. This is a one and done. I am never going to write another book again. I've put everything into myself into this thing and I never going to do it. It's my one thing. And, but I don't think the universe allows for that. You know, it's uh especially you build a relationship with an audience. There's a trust there. They're not going to let you off the hook that easily. So yeah. uh, if your worst problem in life is that you have too many book ideas and too many books for demand, <laughs> May that be your worst problem. But I can really relate to what you're saying because so much, I mean, it's like giving birth. I mean, so much of me is in that book. And I, I'm exposed in a lot of ways in that book because as you can see on the cover, it says based on a, a true story. And that's something that Lindsay Deerking, my our publisher, um, was really compelled to do at the very last leg right before the book was published. And that's because so much of it is based on my real life experience, even though the timeline is fictionalized, the characters are fictionalized, they're, they be, they're an amalgam of many people that influenced my life, they're not one-to-one, -one, although they seem that way. And, and then I incorporate things like my real experiences with Billy Joel and my deceased grandmothers. So there's a lot of real things in the book that compelled her to put that on the cover. So, so much of myself is exposed in the book, you know, even like failed relationships say, or, you know, um, it took everything. So I can relate to what you're saying. And that's why I say, I'm still living with this one. I'm not really ready yet for the next one, but I have these ideas swirling about in my head and it might just be an easy, easier thing for me to write something about marketing maybe in between, or maybe revisit some of my children's books. I don't know. I have lots of ideas and we'll just see where it goes. But I, I relate to what you're saying. You just really, it is you, it is you personified on paper. It's you, it's your life, it's your experiences, it's your emotions, it's your, your words, you know, so, so much of it. So when you're mentioning about birthing and about bringing life to something, I, I want to share a quick funny story with you if you like funny stories. So when I was halfway through my book, uh, we're, we're having a book meeting. We meet once a week. And then at the end, she says to me, so where are these chapters that you mentioned? And I'm like, what do you mean? And I go to look, four of my chapters are missing and I don't have a backup. And I, I literally feel like my heart is getting pulled out of my body and the fear and hyperventilation is starting. 
And I think to myself, there's no way I can recreate that now. Those were one and dones. And I'm like, I'm not going to write this week. I'm not going to write next week. And what am I going to do? Anyways, luck will have it. They got recovered. Because in the electronic world, when something actually get, accidentally gets deleted, uh, if you notify them within X amount of time, they recover them. So they were alive. They did not die. And I got so inspired that the next day, I was already, I was in the middle of the book. I wrote the ending. The ending came to me that night. I felt so good and liberated. And then it was the biggest relief ever. I'm like, oh, the beginning's there. The middle's there. The end's there. Now I just got to fill it in. And yeah. it felt so, so good. And it's... But it's it, like you're saying, you put so much of yourself into it that when you come out, it's like, I feel like I ran like 10 marathons. I'm so <laughs> mentally exhausted that yes. I, I can't even look at it anymore. And it's funny, but uh, I go back even like I, I, I was uh, blogging many years ago and that was where a lot of my writing came to be. But when I really enjoyed writing something, when I went back and read it, I read it as a reader, not as a writer. I didn't even remember writing that stuff. Like you get into such a zone it's know, amazing. You, you know about that writer's zone where you just focus, you don't see anything right. else, but then when you go read it the next day, you you don't remember it because you were in a trance when you did it. Yes, have, have yes. You've you experienced that? Yeah, I have written a few articles that were published locally, like in a magazine or a newspaper over time, you know, and sometimes I'll go back to an article I wrote mm, 10, 15, 20 years ago, and I go, wow, I, I remember writing exactly that because I'm reading it from a different perspective. The other thing that happens, and I'm sure, I don't know if this happens to you, is that it's a form of mental torture or maybe OCD. I would be up in the middle of the night because I wanted to say although instead of albeit or a word choice would haunt me in the middle of the night. And I would get up in the morning and I'd be like, I got to change that sentence. I have to change that sentence. You know, you, it's hard to let it go. So even now when I read back, like sometimes I've been asked to read aloud at a, uh, when I've been invited to a book signing or a book club, I go, mm, I could have tightened that sentence up or that's a little redundant. <laughs> you know, I, The editing just never stops and never stops, you know? So. You are very much like my partner, David Corman at our law firm. And when he, like somebody hands him a lease, it cannot escape red ink. That's how right. he is. He's like every word, every comma, everything else. For me, I just flows. It comes out in one shot and I'm done. I very rarely ever want to edit my stuff. I'm. That's a blessing. <laughs> to me, I'm like, the essence is there because I feel like it's like when I'm cooking. It's never going to end otherwise. I'm like, oh, should I put a little more salt, less salt? Should I have added this? Should I have added that? Should I put in paprika? Should I? Right. So you, you, you're going to, I can't, I can't handle that. So I, yeah. I have that OCD type A personality. Right. But there's things where I can tell myself, okay, you did it. You move on. So yes. it's like when I write something, if I read it over once, I'm done. I'm yeah. comfortable with it. And I've walked away. That's where it's good that I have an editor because. Lindsay will come back to me and she'll take a totally different perspective. And I'm like, didn't see it that way. That's interesting, you know? <laughs> yes, and, yeah. and if me and her can agree on it, then I feel like it's a good, it's a good yes, work. But yeah. if, it's, if I'm left to my own devices, I'm done. I just right. walk away from it. I never want to look at it again. So I know that's a blessing really. <laughs> yeah. But then I'm like, I, I leave the house. I'm like, did I turn off the stove? Did I, you know, <laughs> we all got our little lovely yeah. OCDs. Yes. Which goes really well into segueing into marketing, uh, communications, consulting, because especially when you're producing material for clients, it's got to be picture perfect. So uh, how do you do it? How do you balance personal with author life with marketing? 
uh, well, this year it was a, quite uh, like a juggle, but in some ways the book replaced like a hobby because it was such, it was enjoyment, you know, so it didn't feel like work so much. Um, so I'm able to concentrate and compartmentalize, you know, when I'm working for my clients and stuff. Um, but it, it, you know, I'm always careful because I don't have an editor when I'm working for my client. They're the editor, you know. So uh, sometimes my fingers go quicker than my brain, or they're not linked up. And uh, I still hate when I make a mistake, even on an email. <laughs> but it happens. <laughs> what type of what type of clients do you work with? Uh, what type of marketing? Uh, I'm curious as far as uh, what that genre of your life is. My clients are really diverse right now. You know, it really ebbs and flows. So I left corporate six years ago, give or take. I ran the marketing communications department for several organizations. Um, I spent a good chunk in bank marketing. I spent a good chunk in advertising agencies. And uh, my last corporate job was for the osteopathic profession, osteopathic medicine in the US. You know, we have MDs and DOs. Um, but right now, my clients are very diverse. I have uh, real estate attorneys, um, a uh, uniform manufacturing company, and a distributor for electronic gates. So they're all over the board. Um, and that keeps life interesting. I'm never bored. And I do a little, sometimes I'm doing similar things like overseeing the development of their website, uh, whereby I'm hands-on with content development, but also orchestrating it, uh, providing creative direction, managing um, third-party partners and the clients. But sometimes I'm doing something like uh, a, a sales training program that they need to come together in a creative way or something like that. So it's very diverse and I'm never bored. And it ebbs and flows now that I'm doing my own thing. Like um, I call my little company the Inside Out Marketer, but basically I'm an independent contractor. And I came up with that title because I try to really understand the culture, the inside of an organization so that I can put their voice accurately in when I'm writing for them or, you know, give them their accurate voice. Well, living in, well, living in uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, when we see commercials from the United States and it's attorneys, like we don't call them attorneys here. We call them lawyers, but uh, attorneys in the States, it's always personal injury yeah. You know, inevitably, no matter what state it's in, it's always personal injury. You're driving. I When I'm driving uh, on the highway and I'm going across states, I see the billboards. It's personal injury. So what are real estate attorneys advertising in Philadelphia? Like what, are, what do um, their marketing campaigns look like? I'm curious. So we're not doing a marketing campaign per se. We're doing a launch of their, their business. Uh -huh. um, and so it wouldn't be aligned with the personal injury type ads that you see. Um, I don't, I'm not even sure if they'll ever do advertising if that's warranted for their type of business. You know, what I'm helping them with is their uh, internal uh, communications, their foundational communications, their website, things of that nature. Um, you know, of course, there'll be like um, social media and, and mostly that would be value add about people that are have an issue or need help with a real estate dilemma transaction. So creating websites, social media, like this is ground up stuff. So yes. I imagine somebody starting, it's, it's, it's so much easier when you have an existing business going, you have existing right. uh, forums and you just, you know, uh, uptaking them or revamping. 
But when you're starting from scratch, scratch, and it's funny because I always say lawyers or attorneys make amazing lawyers. They're not usually the best business people and they have no clue about marketing. And that works in a lot of fields. Like doctors are great doctors. They're not marketers and they're not business people either. And that's where it's good that they know to go to a professional and get assistance in getting themselves set up because otherwise they don't even know where to begin because they, they don't have any experience in it or education. And I would say that's- Yeah, they're busy. Yeah. They're really busy because in my case, um, my clients happen to be great business people, but they're also, you know, there's only so many hours in a day, you know, <laughs> they have jobs. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's great work that you're, uh, that you have that balance as well. And you get to have a passion in writing and reaching people plus having a career, which you find fulfilling. So it's really nice that you have that, 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 that work-life balance, so to speak. And then I got to ask you, you know, I, I was hinting at it on this show. You never can get away with it when it comes to sports. <laughs> okay. So Philadelphia being the hotbed that it is, did you grow up a sports fan at all? I know you're a Billy Joel fan, music fan, but you're a sports <laughs> fan. And what was your your sport of choice in Philadelphia? You couldn't avoid it. Well, first of all, my father was a sports nut. Um, he watched sports every single time he watched television. You know, he I mean, he did watch other things, but he, he loved even he'd watch golf, he'd watch football. But when I was growing up in South Philadelphia, it's a, a large part of the city. Um, hockey was huge it was coming into it was becoming huge and the kid the boys on my street played we had a bus going up and down the street i grew up in this in the city and um they had one of the dads made a hockey net and they had roller skates and they'd skate that thing off the street 16 times during a game 20 times because there was traffic you know so hockey was huge the flyers were huge because they won the stanley cup when i was little i mean i'm I, you know, I was a baby. No, I'm kidding, but <laughs> I was young. And uh, so, um, you know, when you think about it then, and I hate to say this because it dates me, but, you know, it was uh, the TVs were not what they are today, you know, and think about all my father and old girls. So all the boys would come into our house to watch the game and everybody was into the game. But um, I'm more of a football fan these days. I enjoy hockey. Uh, I know you're a, a baseball guy too, but I, I don't get involved in baseball. I don't mind going to a game, but I don't follow it. There's just too many games. Like I can manage football <laughs> the season. And so I love, I love football. I love the Eagles. And this particular year, I really, I watched almost every Eagles game. Uh, I missed a couple just because of life, but I also was watching every Chiefs game. And I kept saying, I don't want these two to meet. So I love Andy Reid because he came from, the Eagles. I love Mahomes because he's a super talent and it's just like fun to watch. You know, I love Travis Kelsey, Kelsey. And I mean, I also love Jason Kelsey and we have, so this matchup is going to be like incredible Hertz and Mahomes, Kelsey and Kelsey, even if you want to say Sanders and uh, what's that guy's name, uh, Pachinko or Pachinko from the, the, and then the Sirianni and Reed, it's just going to be such a, oh, I'm nervous. I, I, I I'm nervous. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to go down this way. I'm sorry to break this to you, but I <laughs> had it very clearly predicted that the 49ers were going to win the Super Bowl. Now, before we had that prediction, we also said on a, on one of our shows that Tom Brady is going to be signing with the 49ers, which people told us were absolutely mad. Well, I saw that on your podcast. I don't think we're that crazy anymore because uh Rock Purdy stays healthy and where 49ers are at. I don't think you guys win that game. I'm sorry to break that to you. 
because uh, Jalen, I don't think, looked that amazing. But you see the score, 31-7. Yeah, but, you know, they're they on the have fifth. Quarterback. But they didn't have or a quarterback. Two. It's kind of hard when you don't have a quarterback, yeah. you know, and that's really where they were at. I mean, imagine four quarterbacks down. What are the odds? Right. And I, I haven't seen the MRI results yet. I've been uh, I'm Googling, finding out what's going on with Brock Purdy. But if he needs Tommy John surgery and he's out for any time period, even if he's not, I think Tom Brady, this is the best situation for him possible. He should be heading straight to San Francisco. It's the best team, best setup, best system. All the players are coming back pretty much. And Tom Brady on that team, that's it's it's just logical in every possible sense. But this is the way it goes. You know, same way when the Raptors won the uh, NBA championship and they're saying, well, the Golden State Warriors had so many injured players. Well, that's the way it goes. That's sports, folks. So now that being said, we are where we are. I thought the Bengals were going to end up uh, winning as well. They did not because Mahomes was down, but Mahomes somehow got himself. <laughs> yeah, with a bad ankle credit. and... All the credit in the world, obviously. Right. So, and the Andy Reid, uh, you know, connection. Uh, I can't see how Mahomes isn't winning this one. I just, I'm sorry. I don't I know. Just, but, you know, like you uh, said, any given Sunday, anybody could get injured. I mean, look at the last time the Eagles were at the Super Bowl. We, Wentz was down and Foles with the Philly Philly special, you know, against Tom Brady, you know. So, uh, anything can happen any given Sunday. You don't know. So, your prediction for the Super Bowl is... Well, I have to go with the Eagles. I have to go with the Eagles because I think, uh, I mean, listen, two weeks is a long time for uh, Mahomes' shin um, ankle injury to heal. And that's more time for somebody who is like in a zone like Jalen Hurts to just, you know, whatever trances he puts puts himself in to work on. So I have to go green. I mean, I can't be a traitor as much as I like my second favorite team for the Chiefs and made the best team win. Well, I'm not going to argue there. I, I'm going to say it is going to be interesting. And with Super Bowls, you never know. Anything mm-hmm. can go. I mean, I don't know if you heard of this thing called the Pro Bowl, but apparently that's become a complete joke. So now Baltimore's quarterback with through two touchdown passes is going to the Pro Bowl. So, yeah, we won't even go there. Uh, I will give you a piece of good news, though, because even though you do not follow baseball much, is that uh, your Phillies did almost win the World Series last year. Right. <laughs> they are my pick this year to win it all. Oh, wow. Uh, I can only see this happening. The lineup is too good. Bryce Harper will be back by around the All-Star game or so. It's going to be a good year to be a Philadelphia yeah. fan. So uh, the 76ers also, uh, Joel Embiid, it's a little scary over there. You never know in the NBA as well, but uh, and your Flyers, it's it's still gonna take a little while. Yeah, but you got it's, two strong teams in the Phillies yeah. and the Eagles, and it's a good time to be a Philadelphia sports fan. Yeah, what? it is, and I hope that the fans make us proud because it was always disappointing to me because the stories that make the news are about the horrible fans, you know, and there's so many uh, more civil people. Uh, you know, but that is the reputation we have going back to like somebody throwing a battery at Santa Claus or, you know, whatever that story was. <laughs> Santa was probably asking for Rush it. street yeah. bullies. And when you walk around the streets of Philadelphia, like I tell you, I've been in New York enough times. You walk around New York. I don't care where you are in New York. It's always Yankees pinstripes. You don't know that there is such a team called the Mets. Yes. You, you, you don't see the, the Jets very much. You walk around the streets of Philadelphia this time of year, what jerseys are you seeing on people? Eagles. Everybody. Everybody I look at has got something Eagles on, you know, something green. I love it. I love it. And then me, it's all Philadelphia. So you're going to have to explain, you know, to a novice here. 
South Philadelphia to North Philadelphia, what's the difference? So Center City, Philadelphia, the downtown area, right? It, you Directionally, we're talking from there. That's the center of, of town. South Philadelphia is a large community of row homes that um, <clears throat> and had big immigrant populations, Italian-Americans being uh, an enormous one down there, especially when I was growing up. And <clears throat> it has a cultural zone or a subculture. Uh, the foods, the personalities, I have to say, I mean, maybe Brooklyn, maybe there's some towns in Europe, Italy for sure, but the familiarity that exists in South Philadelphia is unlike anything I ever experienced anywhere else. Um, you, I grew up with um, extended relatives. So my first cousins were like the equivalent of siblings. My second cousins were like first cousins. My third cousins were, my neighbors were like relatives. Everybody knew everybody. And there's not a place I go in this world. I could be in another country. And Oh, they say that Philadelphians are within six degrees of each other. And by the way, Kevin Bacon is from the area. <laughs> and he has this great little cute song out now that it's a Philly thing. Anyway, uh, I say we're one degree of each other. And I've proven it over and over again in my life. I have so many stories. If you had another hour, I would tell you a story about being in Mexico. That's in my book and not speaking the language and connect a connection to Philadelphia many, many years ago. But everywhere I go, within seconds, I could like, or minutes, you know, we, we have this bond. <laughs> so South Philadelphia is a neighborhood in, in Philadelphia. It's a big, large neighborhood. It's changed um, over the years and uh, in some ways uh, for the better. Like the neighborhood I grew up in is now like uh, almost like a mini Greenwich Village. And so there's like lots of cool restaurants and different, different shops and unique stores there. So it's kind of fun to go back. Um, and I'm, I only live 20 minutes outside of the city. So I'm there pretty frequently. And, uh, but, but notoriously, you know, South Philadelphia is known for food, Rocky, when they were making those Rocky movies. And again, I'm going to date myself. <laughs> when they were making the Rocky movies, word would spread. They'd say, they're filming Rocky. Kids were just running, running. And you know, there's one scene in Rocky Dorm where all the kids, he's running down what, what's called the Italian market, which now is multicultural, but he's running down the Italian market and all the kids are running. That was like not scripted. The kids were running and they, they kept it in the movie. And I knew people in that movie as well, real people that are in the movie from Philadelphia and a lot of the Rocky movies. In fact, my nephew's in one of them. <laughs> uh, the, my favorite movie of all time, my favorite movie series of all time. Yeah. And I didn't want to like Creed. Uh, I, I, I called it a Rocky ripoff. And then I was flying to LA and I had nothing to do for that long of flight. So I watched both Creed movies at the time I actually cried during Creed 2 and I got so inspired. I went to, I was boxing at the time, so I didn't bring my gloves. I bought gloves when I was there and I went to do some sparring because I got so pumped up from Creed. So Creed 3 is coming in theaters in March, 2023. How is the feeling in Philadelphia about Rocky versus the Creed movies? Is there a buzz at all? Um, I haven't heard too much of it except for people liked Creed. I only saw the first Creed and I liked it. Um, I, I, like you, thought that it was going to be a departure and that it was just too much already with the series, but I actually really enjoyed it. And I was always surprised. There was like, uh, I think it was Rocky 1, Rocky 3, and then maybe one of the later ones, maybe it was Creed, that I think, oh, you know what? It's still got some life to it. I really enjoyed it. So I don't really hear too much of a buzz. You know, it becomes a cliche when you live in the area, just like cheesesteaks, you know, and <laughs> things like any city that you go to, you know, it's kind of a cliche here. Um, 
when you lived it. <laughs> if I went, if I moved to Philadelphia, first thing I would do is I would be wearing a Rocky T-shirt everywhere, and I'd be eating cheesesteaks. Absolutely. Right. And I would give you the best places to go, not necessarily the most famous. There you go. You got to know the the hidden places. Right. And I'm I don't want to spoil it for you, but the one thing with Creed three, I was really excited. I figured. They've, they did in the first two movies. They brought back uh, the lineage of the opponents. So I figured Mr. T has to be in it. And it's going to be right. Mr. T's son. Because growing up as a kid, my goal in life was to be Mr. T. He was my <laughs> idol. And so like Mr. T and Rocky inspired me. And that's what, what got me boxing. So uh, I was really disappointed to see that Mr. T is not in it, even though I predicted that. So, uh, But apparently it's still a very good movie. And so uh, I'll be watching that in the theaters and uh, we'll get back to uh, uh, giving our, our comments on that. I'm putting on a spot for a moment as we wrap up today's episode, but I was going to ask you if the Philadelphia tourism board came to you today and said, we need you to write us a quick blurb on selling people on moving to Philadelphia. What would be your paragraph selling point on you must come to Philadelphia because we have it all history, location, culture, Restaurants, proximity, uh, great stores, uh, beautiful city, um, skyscrapers, uh, everything. Arts, we have it all. We have it all in Philly. Including Natalie Pantaleo. <laughs> as, as we're summing up today's episode, uh, how can people reach you, Natalie? What is the best way for them to contact you? And as uh, well... For those aspiring authors that are watching this, those young ladies, young men uh, that are thinking of writing their books and hearing your story, what inspirational message can you give them today? Um, my inspiration about anything is to, as best we can, when we set intentions or have a goal, is to let go of the outcome. Because sometimes you get so wrapped up in the outcome that you lose the journey. And so in my case, especially with my book, I, oh, I guess maybe in the back of my head, there was a dream of being published, you know, since I'm, I'm a writer and I love to write and I'm, I'm a natural storyteller. Um, but letting go of it, like not being so tied to what the end result is, allowed me to get there. And I think that, you know, it, you have to have the intentions or the goals, right? But, but if you're not, uh, if you're so tied to what you envision the outcome, you're not open up to what the outcome could be or being present in the moment and enjoying the moment. So that would be my, my message of inspiration. Um, if somebody wants to know more about publishing or the publishing of my book, my uh, book's website, I think, is pretty robust because I, as you probably know, working with the same publisher, uh, The Awakened Press, there's an exercise we do for the book's proposal that breaks down all the publishing information, the nitty-gritty of it, and I think that's super interesting. So the book is just like the title, lyingdownwithdogs.com. If somebody wants to reach me, I can be reached at natalie at the insideoutmarketer.com, the T-H-E, insideoutmarketer.com. And I'm happy to answer any questions for anyone that uh, wants to write a book, has a book in them, or just is interested. And your overall social media, so they can find you on Instagram, oh, yeah. they can find you on LinkedIn, you're all over the place. Yes, yes. Wonderful. Well, the book is called Lying Down with Dogs. The author is Natalie Pantaleo. It is out in bookstores now on Amazon. Audiobook coming very soon. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story, your wisdom, and inspiring me to want to get to Philadelphia and watch a ball game this summer. 
very, very excited. I will let you know because I'll need to know where I'm going to be eating That's those right. cheesesteaks. You have to call me and let me know. <laughs> Absolutely. And we sum up today's episode. We always bring out our pipes and do this. <laughs> And so oh, if you'd like to join me, absolutely. <laughs> and we say, keep living the chosen life. That's right. Thank you so much, Jonathan. I really enjoyed talking with you. And I know we're going to keep in touch. And we have lots of things that we have to talk about. Your book coming out as well. Absolutely. Stay tuned. So we'll talk soon. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too.